tag this text today as Lord of mercy. Lord, have mercy. Now, I'm giving you that one because my real title is Lord of mercy. <laughs> I just wanted to help clear that out for some of y'all before I went to the real title. The real title is Lord of mercy. And so as we want, I want you to see this today as we're looking at it. We're looking at what mercy does. And so I'm going to illustrate this for you really quickly. One theologian said that our life is like the dial of a clock. So picture in your mind a clock with hands. I know that some of y'all, when y'all went to school, they didn't teach you how to read a clock with hands. That's okay. <laughs> but follow my illustration, right? Picture a clock with hands, right? Uh, and the hands, the theologian says, he says, the hands are God's hands passing over and over and over again. I had a clock and I left it at the house because I was going to use it to illustrate, but that's okay. Y'all get it. The shorthand of the clock represents the hand of discipline, God's discipline in our lives. That's the shorthand. And then the long hand, listen to this, is the hand of mercy. So slowly but surely, the hand of discipline must pass to each hour as the day goes on. And picture in your mind, remember, this This is an illustration for our lives. The, the, the hands on the clock are God's hands. And so when the, when the small hand goes past, we'll see that the discipline and, and, uh, and chastisement of God will pass by us. And as God speaks, he'll speak with each strike of the clock, right? Because when the clock gets to an hour, it strikes. But over and over and over and over and over and over and over again, the long hand, which represents the hand of mercy, the long hand over and over and over and over again is showering down 60 folds of blessings with each stroke of the clock as it goes by. And when we see the hand of mercy going by, here's what we understand is this. When you look at a clock, both of the hands are fastened at the same point on the clock. And the point where they're fastened and secured, that 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 point is known as the heart of the of, of the unchanging heart of the God of love. And so what I want to illustrate for you is this, is that you've got more mercy in your life than you've got judgment. And, and that's good news for us, family, is because I don't know about you, but I need the mercy of God every 60 of those seconds of every hour. I need the mercy of God to click and, and, and to keep going and ticking and talking past each and every second of each and every day. I need the mercy of God and thank God that he only reserves his discipline and his judgment for me and trials and difficulty as the hand of mercy moves forward. That's why you have to know this, that sometimes discipline in your life from God is an act of mercy. Sometimes the discipline of God is an act of mercy in your life. And what we have to begin to see and what James is going to teach us today is that when we learn how to show mercy, we enact in God's holy love for us. So he tells us this. He says, speak. This is verse 12. Speak and act as those who are to be judged by the law of freedom. James is telling us that when you speak, you ought to speak like somebody 
who's being judged by the law of freedom. See, when we speak, when, when we utter a sound, when, when we emit our voice and when we lift our voices and we begin to speak to people and communicate to people or speak and communicate to God, we have to do that in such a way that we realize that our words are being judged. Our, our, our words are being looked at by God. Our words are being examined by God, and we are being judged by the law of freedom. And I'm going to get into that and tell you what that is, but I need you to see this, is that when we speak, we have to be careful about what we say. Here's why. They say that sound never dies. Some people, really, really smart people, uh, scientists, they say that when a sound is uttered, it doesn't die. It doesn't go away. It just gets mixed in with all the other sounds around it. And so as sound goes forth, it just kind of reverberates out and it just keeps going and going. And they say that it never dies. I don't know if that's true, but it sounds good. <laughs> and it's helping me to illustrate this point that I want to make. But when we look at this, we understand that sound never dies. And that's why you have to be careful about what you say. See, our words in a scientific sense never die. Our words, in this sense, in this understanding here, is that our words, they never cease. That's why you're still holding a grudge against somebody who said something to you three years ago that you didn't like. That's why you're still angry at that person for what they said to you when you were in high school. You see them now, and they waving at you, and you're like, I don't like them. You ain't seen them since high school. But words... Words reverberate in our lives. And so we understand that because so many of us have been hurt by things that people have said to us. I know I have. I've been hurt by stuff that people have said to me. And they say, you know, sticks and stones break your bones. Words never hurt you. That ain't true. That's a lie. <laughs> words do hurt. And sometimes when we speak, we say stuff to people that injures them. That's why Jesus tells us, he says, you've heard, don't commit murder. But I tell you this, that when you're angry with your brother, you're guilty of murder. And so we, you know, we go around thinking it's cool and all that kind of stuff. But sometimes when you get angry, Jesus says that that's equivalent to murder. And what happens is when we get angry, we don't do what the scripture tells us to be angry and not sin. When we get angry, we go straight in on people. Don't let you say the wrong thing to me. Because my clapback is serious. <laughs> don't let me, don't, don't say, the, don't, don't step out of line with me. Because you know, these words I got, <laughs> I'll slice you up. And, and, and we understand that sometimes in our lives, we get angry, right? And it's okay. People hurt us. That people do stuff that, that irritates us or frustrates us. And we get angry. But the reality is this, is that we have to be mindful about what we say to other people. Even when you've gotten over it, sometimes the sound of their words still resonates in your heart. And that's why we, we, we have to be careful about what we say because our words, listen, our words never die. And what you say to people will leave them tossing and turning at night. What you say to people will cause them to doubt their ability, their validity, and their identity if you are not careful. 
And that's why we got to be careful about what we say. I get what I'm saying. Like, you got to be careful about what you say. You understand what I'm saying? Okay, I think I made the point. But here's why that's so important. And that's why we know that the word of God is so powerful because every sound that God has ever admitted is still in existence today. He said, let there be, and there was, and light still is in existence today because of what, what God spoke when he spoke to the darkness and told it to let there be light. The light is still around us. Light is always there. <laughs> the sun is always in the same spot, and you can see it even when it's dark outside. There's still light. And what we have to understand is that when we speak, family, when we speak, our words are powerful and they are lasting. Now, here is the beauty of all of this. When, when God spoke and said, let there be and there was, here's the beauty of it. He, he, what he spoke, he spoke the word. And the scripture tells us that Jesus is the word. And he is the word that was spoken that will never die, meaning that everything that he has promised to you will last in your life. Meaning that everything that Jesus has ever said to you, that will come to pass in your life. Why? Because Matthew 24, 35, he tells us this. He says, listen, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. And so what we get to see here is that when, is that when we speak, when, when we hear the words of God in our lives, we have to hold on to those words of God, knowing that the word of God will never cease. It will never not be in existence what God has said. And here's what we have to understand, family of God. Our words, in, in a less uh, higher and holier way, they have the same kind of power in people's lives. So you can't just go around saying what you want to say to people. I'm sorry, I don't got a preachy word for y'all today because I'm just walking through what James says here. Uh, but this, you, you got to watch what you say. Not only that, it tells us this, that idea there of speaking, it, it talks about using words in order to declare your mind or to disclose your thoughts on something. And so Jesus tells us in, in, in Matthew chapter 12, verse uh, 36 through 37, he says this. He says, I tell you that on the day of judgment, people will have to give an account for every careless word that they speak. Lord of mercy. <laughs> we'll have to give an account for every careless word that we speak. For by your words will be acquitted and by your words you'll be condemned now <clears throat> that puts a little bit of a different spin on i just lost my temper <laughs> like it puts a little bit of spin on i didn't mean to say that because we got to recognize that our deeds our actions we're going to have to give an account for that stuff now I'm not up here trying to scare you, <laughs> but I am trying to inform you that the stuff that you say to people, it matters. But the words that you use, they matter. And we're all guilty. Like, this isn't me standing up here from a place and speaking down at you. I'm guilty of using my words in a bad way, too. I'm guilty. I've spoken some things to some people that have hurt them. But Jesus is, is, is James is, 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 is teaching us, he's, he's calling us to be mindful about how we use our words, but also about how we act. Now, he says this, he says, speak and act 
as those who will be judged by the law of freedom. This action here that he's referring to, he's talking to us about being careful about the things that we produce with our actions. And sometimes we have to understand this. I don't know. We got, see, it was double, so you had to really understand it, right? So what we see is that our, our walk, our walk is just as important as our talk. Our conduct matters as much as our conversation. I, I'll tell you, look, Romans chapter 2, verse 6 through 11. He says, he will repay each one according to his works, eternal life to those who by persistence and doing good seek glory, honor, and immortality, but wrath and anger for those who are self-seeking, hear that, who are self-seeking and disobey the truth while obeying unrighteousness. There will be affliction and distress, verse 9, for every human being who does evil, first to the Jew and then also to the Greek, but glory and honor and peace to everyone who does what is good, first to the Jew and also to the Greek, for there is no favoritism with God. Now, James has been talking to us about showing favoritism. We were there last week and the week before talking about favoritism. And so what he's telling us is this. Now, he says, here's a good reason for you not to show favoritism is because God's not going to show favor to you, favoritism to you on the day of judgment. He's not. He's not going to show favoritism. It's not going to be like, uh, so-and-so was cool. Like, you know, they all right. <laughs> they ain't really mean that. I know they ain't mean that. No. He's going to, he's not going to show favoritism on the day of judgment. Now, listen, <laughs> let me help y'all because y'all sound, y'all, y'all ain't saying nothing and y'all seem nervous. You're in Christ. <laughs> okay. You're in Jesus. You're, you're, if you are in Christ, guess what? Then when you get there, you don't have to show up your deeds and show off your deeds, right? The blood of Jesus, Jesus stands there and says, listen, I am the righteousness that they need. Amen. There you go. Now you got a little bit of hope. Now y'all can listen to the rest of the sermon because <laughs> y'all was struggling. Listen, but knowing this, knowing that God doesn't show favoritism, though, will help you get your act together. Like knowing, knowing that he doesn't show favoritism to you, knowing that it doesn't matter what good you've done for him. He's still going to uh, he's still going to calculate on the day of judgment, like what's going on with you. It, it, it ought to help you keep your act together. And it also helps you uh, to, to make sure that your brothers and sisters are doing all right. See, if, if, if he, listen, my brother is here. Praise God for him. He was the bad twin. That's my story. <laughs> he was the bad twin, right? And so when he did bad stuff, I got a whooping too. And it wasn't like, oh, you know, he did it. He's going to get it. No, he did something. I got a whooping too. And most of the time, the, the reason was you let him do it. And I'm like, I ain't let him do nothing. Like, he was out here. Remember when you stabbed Booty in the foot with the little scissors? Remember that? <laughs> he poked my little cousin in the foot with a pair of scissors. Or he kicked you, and then you poked him with the scissors. They were like the little nail clipping scissors. They weren't like big scissors. It was just the little teeny tiny ones. He was all right. It was just a little bit of blood. It wasn't a lot. <laughs> so, but I got in trouble for that. I was asleep, and I still got in trouble for that because I let him do it. I don't know. 
But here's what, here's what I'm telling you on this. Listen, it, it, I'm telling you this is because when we're in community with our brothers and sisters, we have a responsibility to make sure our brothers and sisters aren't wilding out. When we're living woven with each other, we check in with each other and make sure that we're good and we're not falling into stuff that we have no business falling into. The tragedy is, is that so many believers fall into sin and no one said anything to them. Because we're so worried about judging, right? We're so worried about judging people. But what the reality is, is that it's the responsibility of, 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 of a brother and a sister to speak to their brother and sister when they find them going down a wayward path. And the problem with this is this. We learned this last week. Sin doesn't start with an action. It starts with a thought. And so when we can help people at the point of their thoughts, like you can start, you can hear people starting to go down a bad path because they start talking cynical. They, they start speaking negatively about stuff. You start seeing their thoughts are a little bit different. And so when you, when you begin to notice that about your brother and sister, like help them out, like talk to them, pray with them, ask them like what's going on in their life. Are they frustrated with something? Don't just like hear their grievances, like, and let them just spill all over you, like help them out. Because so many times our brothers and sisters fall into sin and we just, we just let it go. But we must speak and act like we are going to be judged by the law of freedom. Now, here's what this is. Second Corinthians 5.10 says this, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each may be repaid for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. When he talks about us being judged here, it's this idea of separating things. And so what happens, Jesus even illustrated this for us when he talked about the parable of the wheat and the tares and how the things get separated. And, and this is kind of what we're seeing here is we're looking at that at the end of our days, there's, there's going to be a separating of our deeds. Like we're going to be able to see the good stuff that we've done and see the bad stuff that we've done. And, and we've got to be we're going to have to be mindful that we're being judged by the law, not of bondage. This is wonderful. He says, by the law of freedom. Now, why is he saying the law of freedom and not the law of bondage? Because what happens is that sometimes that when we look at law, right, when we look at things like that, we, we think that that's bondage for us. I'll, paint a, I'll say it better. Sometimes when, you're, when you were younger, <laughs> right, you saw your mom's rules, right, as bondage. You saw her laws as like holding you back. <laughs> like, mom, my mom won't let me be great. <laughs> she won't let me do nothing. I can't even go outside and play. <laughs> Sometimes I felt like that. But I understand now is that there, because now I'm a parent, like, and my son is almost 20, and so I, I, I now know that the reason for some of those those rules was because there were things that she could see <laughs> that I couldn't see. And that's the same truth about 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 God is that some of the laws that he sets up in our lives is because we can't see the stuff that he sees. He, we can't see the path that stuff will lead us to 
that he can see. We can't see it. But he calls it the law of freedom. Now, now freedom is defined here as 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 license, as 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 true liberty. It's living. It's living as one should, not as one pleases. And so when you think about this idea of freedom, I want you to think about it differently. You being free, and here's what I thought when I turned uh, 18. I really acted like that when I turned 16. Like, I'm free. I do what I want. Can't nobody tell me nothing. You remember that little Caesars commercial where the dude started taking off his shirt? He's like, there's no rules. Dang, y'all don't remember that? That's kind of sad. It was a little Caesar's drain. He'd be like, pizza, pizza. And then the dude, he was in the store, and they, it was like no crust. And he was like, he said, wait, I can order that? He's like, yeah, you can order anything. He said, there's no rules? He's like, well, no, there's no rules. And he starts to take off his shirt. He's like, there's no rules. And then the guy from the back yells, put your shirt back on. And he put the shirt back on. You don't remember that? <sighs> All right. Okay. Well, that was a commercial. You could YouTube it. <laughs> That stinks when your illustration don't work because don't nobody know what you're talking about. Um, but it's it's this idea of of liberty, right? True freedom is this: it's not you getting to do what you want; it's you doing what you should. Then he goes into this. He says, "For judgment, verse thirteen, is without mercy for those who have not shown mercy." And mercy triumphs over judgment. I need us to see that the call for us to act and speak a certain way has to be marked by the mercy of God in our lives. See, oftentimes what happens is, and people do this to me all the time. I go to the barbershop and everybody knows I'm a pastor and so you know, barbershop is the barbershop. And so they be talking in the barbershop and saying all kind of stuff in the barbershop. And they'll do stuff like this. Oh, sorry, Pastor. We need me to say that. And I'm like, one, don't do that for me. Like, <laughs> I'm not the one you need to do that for. Right? <laughs> do that for him. Um, but then secondly, like, that's not what God is about. <laughs> he, he He's not about, like, <laughs> like crashing you like for for uh, all that stuff like he it's about his mercy and so god wants you to learn his mercy just as much as he wants you to learn his judgment and in our culture what happens is is that we're marked the the the, the christian life is marked so much by the judgment of god that people fail to see the mercy of god that's why people react the way that they do to christianity is because they think it's about a bunch of rules and about a bunch of judgment and all that stuff. But what they fail to see is they fail to see the mercy of God. And so what we get to do as followers of Jesus, as believers, as we go through our, our day and we infiltrate different spaces and places and do ministry everywhere that we go, we get to show people, no, that the mercy of God is here. The grace of God is here. That's why we're called Epiphany. 
Titus chapter 2, verse 11, it says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men. That word appeared is the Greek word epiphano. It means that the grace of God is here, it's shown up, it's in place. And what we get to do when we go out into the world is we get to be little epiphanies that show forth the salvation and mercy of God and people's lives. And so, family, we're called to display the mercy of God because here's what James says. He says, verse 13, for judgment is without mercy to the one who has not shown mercy. Judgment is without mercy to the one who has not shown mercy. Jesus is very clear with us. He tells us in the Gospels, he says, forgive as you have been forgiven. We're called to display the mercy that we have received. And here's where we get into trouble. Here's where favoritism comes into place. Here's where challenge comes in our lives is we start to treat people with less mercy than we have received ourselves. And the reason for that is because we be lying. We be lying to ourselves. We be trying to act like we've arrived at some place. Your life is messed up and jacked up just like everybody else's. And we, be, we, we walk around pretending and acting like we've got it all together because we don't do the stuff that we used to do. But that's because we're measuring big sins, quote unquote. But the same sinfulness that's in your pride is the same sinfulness that was in your promiscuity. The same sin, listen, there, <laughs> God is not like, oh, you know, uh, they, they, they're just being prideful. It's okay. No. In fact, the Proverbs say that pride is an abomination. So you think you're doing all right, just speaking, you, you know, you're just a little prideful. You're just a little bit arrogant. Like, it's okay, you know. But I did graduate summa cum laude, you know what I'm saying? So I can't show off a little bit. No. You're not better than anybody else. Your sin is just as bad as the person who you think is the worst sinner. That's why Paul, when he's writing, he's writing, he's writing all this stuff, and he's listing all these sins, and he's like, and I'm the chief of sinners. Your boy. Me. <laughs> and we have to have to understand that, is that God is calling us to display the, the, the mercy that we have been given. Thank you, bro. Like the mercy that we've been given. And so every action in your life, every word in your life towards another person ought to scream, Lord, have mercy. Every action in your life, every deed that you commit towards another person ought to scream out, Lord, have mercy. Because you understand and know that if it had not been for the mercy of God working in your life, then you would be far out and down just like the people that you're looking down on. 
And so God is calling us to show the mercy that we have been shown. Mercy is this. Mercy talks about the kindness or goodwill towards those who are miserable and afflicted. That's what this idea is. And here's what you have to know. (laughs) The mercy you received, you didn't earn it. But we act like that sometimes. We act like we've earned the mercy that we received. That's why sometimes we act like spoiled brats when God doesn't answer the prayer that we want him to specifically ask because we believe that we earned the mercy that we're requesting. I've been a good girl, Jesus. What about me? Like, Jesus, I ain't been, I ain't really been looking at nothing like that on my phone, you know, like, I haven't been doing that no more, Jesus. What about me? And we act as if we can somehow earn the mercy of God by doing good stuff or by slowing up on doing bad stuff. Nah. That's not how it works. The mercy of God is mercy because you can't earn it. If you could earn it, it wouldn't be mercy. And see, you can tell who has received mercy from God, like truly received it, by the way that they show mercy to others. Like, you just hard on everybody. Can't no, like, can't nobody make a mistake around you. Like, your kids can't do nothing wrong because they got to be in line. Listen, the mercy of God is enough for them too, just like it was enough for you. And you can tell who has received mercy by the way that they show mercy to others. And that's not a statement of conviction. Hear me. That's a statement of compassion. Because some of you are hard on other people because you're hard on yourself. Some of you won't let up on people because in your mind, you won't let up on yourself. Some of you don't display mercy to other people because deep down inside, you don't think that you are deserving of the mercy that you received. Now, although that part may be true, 
God is still in his love dispensed his mercy to you. And so it's it's a complete and utter dismissal of the mercy of God when you act like when you treat people like they don't deserve mercy because deep down inside you don't feel like you deserve it. Family, we're called to display the mercy of God. Because James tells us this. He says, mercy triumphs over judgment. Mercy triumphs for judgment. As I close, in Mark, we see a story of a man who was blind. And he heard that Jesus was in town. And so this man who was blind heard that Jesus was nearby. And the scripture says that he began to cry out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the scripture says that many warned him to keep quiet. But he kept crying out all the more, have mercy on me, son of David. Now, here's the reality. Is that in our lives, our ability to see ourselves clearly marks how we conduct ourselves with the mercy of God. This man was blind. And his blindness caused him to cry out for mercy. Because he couldn't touch Jesus. He couldn't reach out to him. None of that. But he knew that although he was blind externally, he knew that in order for him to see, he needed the one who was the Messiah to help him to see. And so for us, family, we've got to know who it is that we come in contact with when we come in contact with Jesus. He's able to heal you of your blindness. He's able to heal you of your brokenness. He's able to let the deaf hear. And so know that the mercy, mercy is mercy. That triumphs over judgment each and every time. So we need the mercy of God in our lives. To help us to save the right things. Help us to do the right things. Like, we need the mercy of God. So the devoted, here's my three points that be up on the screen. The devoted, they know what to say, they know how to act, and they know what mercy can do. 
when you know what mercy can do, you're like this man here. And all you can do is cry out, Lord of mercy. Father, thank you for your grace. God, thank you for your mercy in our lives. That you shower down on us. Father, we pray, God, by your spirit, that you would help us to walk in the mercy of God. God, we need your mercy. We need your mercy, Jesus. Have mercy on us, Jesus. God, I pray right now for anyone under the sound of my voice, God, who has not experienced your mercy. Pray that they might experience your mercy in soul today. And know that in your death on the cross, when your blood was spilled, you dispensed all the mercy that we would ever need. So God, thank you for your mercy. Help us to receive that mercy. And help us to show that mercy to our brothers and sisters. So Jesus name that I pray. So much for choosing to worship Thank you with us. so much for choosing to worship with us this morning. We are so excited and so thankful. If you have chosen to follow Jesus, you've just made the best decision of your life, and we are so excited, and all of heaven is rejoicing with us. Click the link at the bottom of the screen, and someone from Epiphany Church will follow up with you as soon as possible. If you have chosen to become a member of Epiphany Church Wilmington today, welcome, and we cannot wait to meet you. Click the link at the bottom of the screen, and someone will contact you as soon as possible. Also, if you could give, and there are several ways to give, you could click the link at the bottom of the screen, you could text, you could download the app, but we need you to give. Uh, Without your giving, we would not be able to do any of the things that we do as a church in the community. Once again, thank you so much for worshiping with us this morning. Like, comment, subscribe, and share, and tell a friend to tell a friend about what God is doing here at Epiphany Church Wilmington, where we believe in being on the block, in the middle of it, for Jesus Christ. God bless you all, and you have all have a wonderful week.